Looking for your next TV show or movie to binge? Well, buckle up, grab the remote, and settle into your couch for this special edition of Crossing the Streams. We're here to help you tune in and get the most out of those 50 monthly streaming channels you're currently paying for. So without any further ado, here's your host of Crossing the Streams, Jeff Dwoskin. Hey, it is I, Jeff Dwoskin, your host of Classic Conversations and your guide through this bonus episode of Crossing the Streams. This bonus episode is segments from our live show, which we do every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We have over 100 hours currently available on our YouTube channel of TV binge-watching suggestions. What is Crossing the Streams? We exist to answer the universal question, I just finished watching something, and now I gotta watch something else. What should that be? Well, we got your back. We've got a plethora of TV binge-watching suggestions for you. You can watch full episodes on our YouTube channel, or you can just sit around on the podcast feed, and we'll feed random segments to you on our bonus episodes. This bonus episode has segments from our live show episode 44, 47, and 93. In this bonus episode, we're covering Macho, the Hector Camacho story, The Grinder, and Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's a lot. That's a lot to pack into one episode. Each one of these segments is pulled right from the live show. It's the banter of the hosts and guests that were on that particular live episode. Their goal is to make you aware or make you re-aware of an amazing show you should be binge-watching. All right, let's kick things off from live episode 93 comes The Grinder. I'm taking lead on this one. Take it away, me. I want to talk about one of the shows that I think is one of the funniest shows ever that was taken off the air, though, and that is The Grinder. So have any of you guys seen The Grinder? Episodes, yes. No, my wife keeps deleting it off my phone. (laughs) <laughs> that's just grinder this is the grinder so, so this is uh 2015 it's one season now normally i wouldn't hearken or kind of say go watch one season of a show that was canceled however the season of the grinder season one of the grinder is one of the funniest 22 episode seasons i think of any show i went to just rewatch the pilot recently and was laughing my ass off so the whole premise of the show is it's a family show it's family it's sort of a you know a reboot your life journey and that journey is is being taken by rob lowe who is a star of a tv show in the show that happens to be called the grinder and the grinder is a legal drama in the show so (laughs) right and so that show ends and so he comes home to his family. So now he's the big star and he's coming home to his family in the small town and his brother and his father are actual lawyers. So Rob Lowe played this character on The Grinder, who was like a really top-notch killer, always gets his man lawyer, and then comes home where his real family are real lawyers. And the humor comes from uh, (laughs) Rob Lowe truly believing that his time on this fictional legal drama qualifies him to be part of the family law firm. Now, his brother on the show is Fred Savage, and this drives him crazy. 
It drives him crazy. And he can't understand how, because everyone's so enamored because it's Rob Lowe, the star of this show <laughs> is now, right? How anyone can be taking his brother seriously. He was a legal the lawyer on TV. He can't actually practice law. But the father is William Devane Ooh. of Not Slanding and Other Fame. William Devane plays Rob Lowe and Fred Savage's father, and he's also with the law firm. But he thinks it's the greatest idea in the world and completely condones and encourages everything Rob Lowe does. Okay. So in there, and the whole dialogue and the workings between the characters, Rob Lowe and Fred Savage and Fred Savage's wife, Mary Elizabeth Ellis, and their kids. And it's just so, so funny. It's And there's uh, it's a crazy cast, too. I mean, there's like Jason Alexander was a, a, a reoccurring character. At one point, Timothy Oliphant is a main character because he's now in the reboot of The Grinder. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he plays Rob Lowe's, uh, you know, like uh, cousin or something uh, in, in the grinder, New Orleans. So now there's that whole. <laughs> uh, how did that not make it? What happened with it? Um, I mean, I was canceled, but for a it, reason. On Rotten Tomatoes, it had a 93 critic and 81 audience, but it no one watched it. It had less than 2 million people watching it. This was a Fox show. So those numbers just didn't carry it. Now, they also thought it might have been a little too meta, though it's meta in the same way that Reboot is right now. But I think Reboot's being, from what I can tell, just between you know Howard and I, we, it's one of the best shows ever. It's but it's also, you know, I agree. Yeah. It's also uh, kind of a TV meta kind of show. But that to me, that never that never really kind of took over. I mean, it was you read articles, Entertainment Weekly called it one of the funniest comedies around. I mean, it was just like it was just acclaimed. It just nobody watched it, and which is a shame because I mean the the cast and the talent on this show. I mean, even the extra characters, like I said, were Jason Alexander, Camille uh, Nagiani. Uh, Maya Rudolph. I mean, it's just oh, wow. like Steve Little, who you'd recognize was like a, a, an ongoing character. It was just one of these shows. It was just so funny. And it, and it was all the kind of back and forth between Rob Lowe, who's this, you know, you know, finds drama and everything and all this kind of stuff. And Fred Savage, the brother who could barely speak in front of a jury, you know, and it's just like, and him having to deal with everyone who thinking that his brother's a better lawyer than him, even though he's not a lawyer, he just played one on TV. And it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just really, really, really funny. I did it on? It's on uh, Hulu. You can get it on Hulu. Nice. It's yeah, that's another uh, thing too. I mean, you know, very, uh, similar to a lot of other series that were on Fox and ABC and things like that in the in the early uh, 2010s, 2020s, you know, streaming wasn't so prominent as it is now. I mean, people would rather stream than watch something on Fox. So that to me was the reason I wasn't watching shit in 2015, right? Like if there was like Shit's Creek and Parks and Rec and all that, then I would watch it. But now there's so many options streaming. And that could be a reason why I wasn't getting the ratings it was, is if it was only streaming exclusively, I'm sure it would crush it. You know, that's that's why a lot of series fail. All right, that was The Grinder. We talk about The Grinder on the Classic Conversations episode with Rose Abdu, who was one of the guest stars on The Grinder. So definitely check out my conversation with Rose and The Grinder. Up next... 
from live episode 44, Macho, the Hector Camacho story. Bob Phillips is taking us through the world of boxing as only he can. Take it away, Bob. Macho, the Hector Camacho story. Mm-hmm. Macho, yeah. I want to hear about this. Yeah. This well, is- everybody, uh, it, you, even a casual boxing fan remembers the name Hector Macho Camacho. He was uh, quite a character. He was a Puerto Rican kid that uh, moved to New York City. And uh, during his youth, won everything there was to win in the amateur ranks, Golden Gloves, uh, New York City championships, and turned pro in 1980 and fought for 30 years. Think about that. That is that is an insane number to take punches to your head for three decades. But and there's a reason for that, and, and that happens to a lot of boxers. Like my marriage. Uh, there you go. First oh. one. Sorry. The first one. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say that again. The first one. The first one. Yeah, say it loud so the one behind you doesn't come up and whack you with a shoe. Yeah. Uh, um, so, uh, that's, that's a common thing for fighters, you know, to, to leave the game too late, but it was because Hector, like so many of those for and after him did not take care of his money, even though he won a hundred million dollars in the ring, something like that. I mean, he, uh, he was the prototypical kid out of the project and he was a very interesting cat because he won three titles coming out of circumstances that would have broken most people. No father around. They had a loving mother, but uh, lived in a you know an apartment where there were like seven other people. And people coming and going all the time. Drugs were rampant. Uh, there was every reason for him to fold up his tent and just be another statistic, right? But he was insanely talented. He was one of the fastest boxers that ever lived. And he compiled a record. He, he, he won the junior lightweight title, the lightweight title, and then junior welterweight. That's a, a feat in itself to win three titles in three different weight classes. But he did it in such a way that he infuriated people because he, he, he did it all his way. He was such a little showman and he was so funny and so odd. Uh, he'd always come into the ring. He would come in in a gladiator outfit, you know, with full <laughs> helmet and the, you know, the brush and the, and then he'd have, he'd have a Scottish kilt on. And for some reason, you know, <laughs> and he would just befuddle these other boxers that just could not deal with the speed and his, uh, his pure talent. He was 37 and oh, at one point, which is outrageous for, that's an outrageous number for somebody in the lighter weight classes, because usually someone comes along and the, you know, after you, you use, if, if you're a good fighter, you know, they, they get you up to 15, 18, 20 wins and no losses. And then they, they angle for a fight. And then if you're going to win a title, you do it at 20 and 0, 22 and 0. Well, he won it sooner than that. And he defended his title and just shellacked people. But he didn't really, he wasn't the kind of guy that hurt people. He wasn't a knockout artist. He was just so blazingly fast. He would just pop, pop, pop and rattle off 10 punches to your head. And then he'd be gone and people couldn't touch him. And he was, and I remember, you know, being a huge fight fan, I, I loved and hated this kid because he was infuriating. He was just infuriating because guys that were huge punchers, you thought, okay, someone's going to come in and shut Hector's mouth tonight. I I can't stand him flapping his gums anymore. (laughs) And 37 times they went up and 37 times they went back with their tail between their legs because he utterly embarrassed them. Hmm. Well, things start to get a little rough for him. He had a a fight with uh, one of his countrymen, a guy named Edwin Mazzario. And uh, Edwin was a huge puncher. And I think this was his 37th fight. It was the first time that Hector got knocked around a little bit. He bled. He actually got hurt 
And he uh, he said later on in his career that it changed him. It just changed him inside. He he didn't feel invincible anymore and didn't feel like he could do the things he needed to do to survive. So he started screwing around. He wasn't training. And then uh, a loss, right? And then a couple more wins and then another loss. And then the drugs and the booze and all the kind of stuff you hear in you know the, the tragic prototypical boxing story. Well, Hector was uh, eventually, he, mur- he was murdered in Puerto Rico about, <laughs> I want to say, nine years ago. Yeah, it's just hilarious. Hold on, Put Bob, hold on for one second. <laughs> oh, we got, oh, we got a lightsaber back there. <laughs> Kylo Ren made an appearance on his I was like, what's going on? <laughs> Sorry. I'm thinking, what the hell is so funny, Howard? Then I look up and see the lightsaber. It was perfect timing, was right when you said murdered for some reason. I thought he was going to take John's head off. Wiping out the younglings. So the poor guy was, uh, he, he, he fell on hard times. He lost all his money as happens a lot in that game. There was nobody to counsel him. There was no, when Don King was through with him, he kicked him to the curb as Don King does. And he wound up going back and forth from Puerto Rico and, and selling drugs and you know doing drugs. And uh, he was shot in the head on a, on a street in Puerto Rico. And they, they found like nine pounds of cocaine in the car. But it was a slow. It was a slow descent for him. It was, uh, and it, and it, I felt really bad for him because he was one of these guys that, like, like I said, he infuriated me as a boxer sometimes because he was he was always yapping, always bah, 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 and nobody could touch him. But then after a while, you started to appreciate what what a huge talent it was. I mean, he knocked out Sugar Ray Leonard. You know, he knocked him out for good. He Jeez. beat Roberto Duran twice. Uh, and wow. later in Roberto's career, he beat a lot of good fighters. He beat legends, but he didn't get the credit he deserved because, like I said, he was uh, he was kind of like a mosquito. He annoyed everybody. And you have to you, this documentary. What I love about it is that it teaches people, if even if they're not into boxing, to look at this guy from the time he was a kid and then just on sheer raw talent to catapult himself into being one of the most popular, successful fighters that ever lived. He obviously had ended tragically, but he came from nothing and nowhere. And it was all here. It was just him. And I, uh, I just, in my looking back, I admire this guy so much. I truly do. Um, cool. And uh, it, w- it was a sad ending, but it, it, his career in retrospect is amazing. Bob Phillips, what channel is the Macho documentary on? This was on uh, Showtime. Is it a documentary or a movie? It's a, it's a documentary. <laughs> and it came out... Uh, Less than a year ago. I think earlier this year it came out. We'll add that to our must-watch list. Another great boxing suggestion from the amazing Bob Phillips. Check him out on the Sal and Bob podcast. Our final segment for this episode is from live episode 47, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Howard Rosner shines a light on this classic show. Obviously been around for a long time, but wants to make sure that you stayed with it. If you never dug in, that you start to dig in or that you just keep on watching it. Take it away, Roz. All right, let's talk about Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's funny. The reason I chose to do Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I know is not a new show, it's starting it's two episodes into its 11th season. But people I've talked to lately about the show, you know, maybe watched years ago, but haven't watched the last couple of seasons. So I thought it was relevant. So we'll just start with 
you know, again, HBO, HBO Max has all the seasons. And for those who are totally unfamiliar, created and starring Larry David, who was the co-creator along with Jerry Seinfeld of Seinfeld, the voice of George Steinbrenner famously in Seinfeld episodes. And the George Costanza character very, very much based on Larry David himself. So if you like that, Curb Your Enthusiasm is... George Costanza uncomfortableness to the nth degree. It centers on Larry David, who plays himself basically, and or in an expanded, elaborate version of himself. The show is absolutely hysterical and absolutely uncomfortable every episode. He is hysterical, but one of the worst people, his character is one of the worst people in the history of mankind. He says whatever comes to his mind, does whatever comes uh, he wants to do. It's always getting him in trouble. Every episode is very similar, just like a Seinfeld episode. There's multiple plot points, multiple points of discomfort that somehow you know by the end of the episode are going to intertwine, and they always do. The other thing that I love about the show, the other two major things I love about the show is, number one, you know that a significant portion of it is improv. And they're getting people who are um, big time actors and actresses to do improv that uh, are not traditionally improvers. And it's great. They pull them out of their element and it's great. The other major thing that I love is every season is set up the same way. In the first episode of the, the season, they launch a kind of general background story that becomes the focal point of the season, at least a thread that runs through the entire season. And then by the end of the season is a more prominent plot point. For example, this season in the first two minutes of the first episode, somebody breaks into Jerry's, uh, into Larry's house and then trying to escape after robbing him, falls into his pool and dies, drowns in the pool because Larry did not have the permit required five foot or four foot high fencing around the pool. And in that first episode, the brother of the uh, guy who died blackmails Larry into forgetting about it and not bringing a huge lawsuit because of it. If Larry will cast his daughter, who is only done high school theater and is atrocious as the lead in his new series on Netflix and that is going to be a general theme throughout this whole season. Uh, the seasons before, one of the seasons, I think it was season seven, was uh, them deciding to do a Seinfeld reunion. And so all the characters are there throughout the year. Uh, maybe my favorite season was season uh, nine, I believe it was, where Jerry, or Larry, I keep calling him Jerry. Larry uh, was writing a musical called Fatwa that was uh, a theatrical, <laughs> hysterical version of the Solomon Rushdie uh situation and goes on Jimmy Kimmel to kind of make jokes about it. And then the Ayatollah actually puts an actual fatwa mm -hmm. on him commanding Muslims to kill him. And uh, <laughs> so that he's, you know, it's the themes are always hysterical. So that's the gist of it. The, the characters in the show, he's great, but some of the main characters in the show, J.B. Smoove plays Leon Black, who uh, lives with Larry, kind of his right-hand best friend uh, sort of now. He, and you know everything he does is improv, and it is incredible. His timing is impeccable comically. It is just fantastic. Jeff Garland, who plays his agent, is great as well. 
But how Susie Essman, who plays Susie, uh, Jeff Garland's wife in the show, how she has not won in uh, a Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy Emmy is beyond me. She and Larry, when they argue and they insult each other, it is the funniest shit. I... It kills me. I, I'm literally laughing out loud in front of the TV. It is just one of the best characters on, on television. Sadly, the other great character for the first nine seasons of the show was Bob Einstein, played Super Dave Osborne, and played Marty Funkhauser in the show, passed away a few years ago. He was the other great character. Richard Lewis, the stand-up, has been on since the beginning of the series, playing one of his best friends. He is great every time he's on. This year, the list of A-list stars that are slated to be on the show is spectacular. There's already been a couple, uh, and there's going to be even more. Um, John Hamm was on in an episode last year, and he was in the first episode of this season. It's just great. They take great actors and take them out of their comfort zone to do this comic improv. If you have not watched Kirby Enthusiasm, go back and watch the entire thing. There's a handful of episodes that are musts. Crazy Eyes Killer is a fantastic episode. Palestinian Chicken is the best episode of the show, in my opinion, by far. But go back and watch it. And uh, if you used to watch and haven't in a while, get off your ass and mm-hmm. get caught up. Strong. Yeah, there you go. I, I haven't watched it since the Seinfeld reunion uh, uh, season. I watched that. That, that was brilliant. My favorite joke, though, that I remember ever seeing on it is I think he's with his rabbi and he points to a picture on the rabbi's desk. He says, oh, that's my nephew. We lost him on 9-11. And he says, which tower? He says, oh, no, no, he was on Ninth Street, uh, he got hit by a taxi. (laughs) (laughs) Just happened to be on 9-11. The whole episode is about him trying to (laughs) get the point across that you can't say that. Like that, yeah. You, can't say you lost when nine eleven, and then they're like, "Can we bring a survivor to dinner?" And the one guy brings uh, a Holocaust survivor, and the other guy brings Colby from Survivor. Colby, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all, there's so many episodes. Uh, the other fantastic episode is the one where uh, Larry has to. Uh, he picks up a hooker because he's trying to get to the Dodgers game and he knows he's going to be stuck in traffic and to drive in the carpool lane. He has to have another person <laughs> in the car. So he picks up a hooker <laughs> to, and perfect. takes her to the game with him. There's so many episodes that are like that. Or, and the, again, or, the, or the one where his, his friend died with his golf club uh, and he yes. got buried with, he got buried with his favorite <laughs> golf club and, and Larry takes wants to get out the golf club out of the, out of the casket before they bury him. If you have not watched Jeff, I, you know, you're an example. You watched six, seven seasons and haven't watched the last couple it it is as good if not better than it has always been all right roz way to shine a light on a classic and of course coincidentally in my rose of dew interview we talk about her amazing time on curb your enthusiasm so yet another reason to watch curb your enthusiasm you got a lot of homework yeah, Curb Your Enthusiasm, The Grinder, Macho, the Hector Camacho story. I don't want to keep you any longer from your next binge watch. So go hop on the couch, grab the remote, cross your own streams, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Crossing the Streams. Visit us on YouTube for full episodes and catch us live every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now turn this off and go watch some TV. And don't forget to tell your family you'll be busy for a while.